Hi there, guys. I'm cutting into the feed with something unplanned and, to be frank, uh, mostly unscripted and not organized in the ways I typically do episodes. This one is just from the heart. Over the past few days, I have been, as I know we all have, feeling emotional and powerless in the face of Ukraine's suffering. I'm a parent, and the videos and images of families attempting to flee and survive under Russia's assault is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and it makes me feel, unfortunately, quite hopeless, but I know there always is hope. I did see a post a few days ago from Titanic Honor and Glory, which you should definitely be aware of is a video game that's under development and will be, from my understanding, a full-scale digital recreation of every single part of the ship. It's really exciting. You should check them out on social media. But they posted a list of the four Titanic passengers who were from the area of Ukraine, or at least believed to be, which I should note, and they did as well in their post, was technically part of Russia in 1912. But I saw this and I thought, I can do this at least. I can say these four names and tell what we know of their story and their struggles and it's always incredible to tell the stories of second and third class passengers aboard Titanic. And this made me realize that even I don't do that enough and have not done it enough yet. Before I do, though, just a few thoughts. I am not a historian of Ukraine, of Russia, or these conflicts. I studied American history, and I am in the dark on the complexities of the history of conflict, political upheaval, religious upheaval, social, cultural upheaval. Just as with the Joseph LaRoche episode I just did, and the rich, complex history of Haiti, which also involved, obviously, shifts in power and, sadly, bloody, bloody conflicts, Ukraine's history deserves to be studied and has so much uh, moving detail that <laughs> I encourage you to do your own research as I will be uh, moving forward. One good starter place, um, which is something accessible, is a timeline of recent Ukrainian history that NPR just published on their website, and I will link that in the show notes for you. But for this little episode, just keep in mind, I'm simply telling these stories as I found them online from some basic research. I do not know all the political context of each person's stories and origins. I am sharing these stories to honor Ukraine, to honor the memory of these passengers, and to send out into the world just some love and wishes for peace. I also heavily, heavily, heavily encourage you, if you are able, to donate to help Ukrainians. Every little bit helps. Two places that my family uh, has donated are World Central Kitchen, one, which is run by uh, Chef Jose Andres, and he is a f he's amazing, and his organization is fantastic. They head into conflict zones, disaster zones, areas of poverty to feed people. In times of struggle, sometimes obviously lives are stripped down to the most core, the most elemental needs like food, and this organization is doing the work. I also encourage you to consider donating to UNICEF, which 
funds urgent humanitarian work that focuses on children. I don't want to flood you. (laughs) Um, Gosh, terrible pun, but I don't want to flood you with more anxiety. I understand we have a lot of it right now. I really don't. But uh, children are dying in Ukraine and it's appalling and our hearts are all breaking. And let's do all that we can do to help. If you pray, pray. If you don't pray, think the thoughts and send the energy and let's try to latch on to hope. So those donation links will be in the show notes. And please reach out to me if you know of other organizations I should spotlight on my social media. I don't have a huge following, but I've got a little bit of one and will use it in every way that I can. I want to shout out Encyclopedia Titanica, which is a great resource on Titanic, obviously, that a lot of you probably already know about. And that's where I got all of the info for this episode. Israel Nesson was born around 1885, we believe, in Bogopol, Blata, Ukraine, then part of the Russian Empire. We don't know much about his early life, only that he came to the United States as early as 1903, but then returned to Ukraine five years later. The name Nesson likely is Americanized. He was married then in 1908 to a woman named Alishkova Kolker. Based on what I read, it seems he returned to the area to marry her. She was not on Titanic with him. It's believed she was planning to join him in America or may have already been in the U.S. ahead of him. He was an electrician by trade, Israel was, and boarded in second class, which Side note, obviously, as we've talked about, would have meant he was likely middle class. He was traveling to Boston after New York, and his last known address was given as London, which you'll see is quite common. He died in the sinking at age 26, we believe, and his body, if found, was not identified. We can glean some insight into the life of his widow after the sinking through Red Cross files. She was 21 at the time of the of the sinking, spoke no English, and had a brother in the U.S. with whom she ended up living. She worked in his store, though there's no clear mention of what kind of store it was. She also, according to the Red Cross, took English classes around this time in the evenings. A comment on the entry um, in, on Encyclopedia Titanica, you can just call, you can comment on the separate entries and On a lot of these passengers, there are comments from people who are working to trace genealogies, who believe they may be relatives of some of the passengers. It's very interesting to read through. I highly recommend that you do it. Or if you are someone that is tracking your lineage in any way, in terms of Titanic, it's obviously a huge resource. So one of the comments on this entry suggested that perhaps the brother was not her brother, but the brother of her deceased husband. So I don't think we know absolutely for sure. I think that this quote I'm about to read from the Red Cross files is really powerful, though. Quote, a definite plan for her future must wait until she acquires the language and learns something of the ways of this country. She was given $150, which would be about $4,000 now, so a pretty decent sum, by the Red Cross, and they had placed also a fund and trust with a local charity to be used in the future. She gave her name as Sonia, 
in one of these claims. And unfortunately, it's noted that she possibly died just a few years later in 1919. I did find a grave for a Sonia Nesson who died in January 1919. The marker is in Independent Golden Crown Cemetery, Woburn, Middlesex County, Massachusetts. Bela Moore was born in the Russian Empire, believed to have been born in the area of Ukraine. In May of 1882, her maiden name was Shapiro. Family lore suggests that Moore, and this is spelled M-O-O-R, no E at the end, may not have been Bela's true married name. She may have been hiding her true identity as she and her son fled Russia because of pogroms against Jews and the fear that her son, when of age, would be conscripted into the army. And this was a huge, just side note, this was a huge driving force reason why many people fled Russia and Eastern Europe uh, at this time, from what I have read. She'd apparently been married to a man named Rubin, but we don't know much about him, save for that he likely died in the Russo-Japanese War around the time their son was born. Her son, Meyer, was born in 1904. Mother and son possibly spent time in London prior to boarding a liner, as she apparently had family there. And as you'll see, the real one of the real through lines for all four of these passengers is the stopover in London prior to boarding a liner. And I imagine that had something to do with immigration requirements. And I will definitely be looking into that. Records indicate Bila and Meyer actually first went across the Atlantic in 1911 on the SS Montezuma. That was part of the Canadian Pacific Line in third class there as well, en route to an uncle that lived in Quebec. They were detained and sent back across the Atlantic, if you can believe it, which must have been a horrific and deflating experience to say the least. We have no idea why, but um, I have to believe it might have been either a quarantine health issue or something to do with their religion. I just don't know. From that time in 1911, in the summer when they returned until they boarded Titanic, they are believed to have stayed with a cousin in London, a tailor in Whitechapel. They boarded Titanic in Southampton in a renewed attempt across the ocean in April 1912. They both this one's a happy, well, <laughs> partially happy at this juncture story. They both miraculously survived. And as third-class passengers, you think we've talked about what a big deal that would have been. They were likely in lifeboat 14. The fact that they survived means they would have proactively made it up to the decks during the sinking as third-class passengers. And Meyer would have been only seven or eight at this time. So there would have been no question about him going with his mother, even though he was male. One uh, newspaper in 1912 published a brief reference to an interview with Bila. And this is an excerpt, quote, she said that she felt the ship was going to be drowned, and she grabbed her little boy and clung to him until shoved into a lifeboat. She said she did not remember boarding the lifeboat, and the only thing she remembered, she said, was the hysterics and fainting of the passengers when picked up aboard the Carpathia. 
She was described in records as a tailoress and gave her destination as the home of her uncle and aunt in Chicago. Before they went there, though, both mother and son spent time in the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society uh, in their program, recuperating. They were there photographed by local newspapers because of their notoriety as Titanic survivors. And you can actually find these photos online, including a shot of Meyer spelled M-A-Y. E-R here. So maybe it's Mayer. Um, I'm actually not sure. So um, I think the the more uh, family spelling of how his name was actually spelled was M-E-I-E-R. In the newspaper, it is, I believe, misspelled as M-A-Y-E-R. And I'm not sure if it's Meyer or Mayer. I'm really not. I'm sorry about that. But there is this photo of him looking a bit stunned, which is unshocking. Uh, Bila eventually added an E to the end of their name, becoming more M-O-O-R-E, and eventually made it to Chicago, where in 1914, she remarried to a man named Max Trajan, who was almost 20 years older than her. He was a tailor, also from Russia, and they ran a dry goods store in Chicago until he died in 1932. Bila then went to live with her son, and in one of the only Texas connections that I've ever come across, they ended up in El Paso. And I remember I, I live in Texas. They ended up in El Paso, Texas, though it's not really clear why. And she unfortunately died of a heart attack there in January of 1958 at age 75. And she is buried in the B'nai Zion Cemetery in El Paso. Simon Meisner, M-E-I-S-N-E-R-E, was born in Kiev, Ukraine, then part of Russia, around 1878. He was married to a woman named Sarah, and they had three sons, all born in Kiev. Ira in 1901, Raymond in 1902, and Harry in 1903. Yes, you heard me right. Three years, three sons. Um... It's intense. Simon was a tailor and boarded in Southampton, giving a London address. There you go again. From everything I've read of immigration at the time of those feeling oppressive pogroms in Eastern Europe, likely he was headed to the U.S. with plans for his wife and sons to follow. To immigrate there had to be a family member already set up in the U.S., basically. So he must have been headed to someone and then, you know, with plans for Sarah and the boys to join him later on. We know nothing of his time in third class on Titanic, just like we really don't know anything of these people's time on Titanic, which is sad. Um, I can think of a better word, but just sad. Um, except that, you know, for someone like him, I guess here's an example. We, you know, obviously we can glean some things, which is for Simon, he was a single man traveling in third class, so he was likely in the shared berths with other third class men. He died in the sinking and his body was never identified. His wife and children did make it to the United States the next year. She remarried and settled in Newport, Rhode Island, where she was very active in local Jewish organizations. Eldest son Ira joined the Merchant Marines, became a chief engineer for Texaco, and his tanker was struck in March 1943. Unfortunately, he became a prisoner of war in World War II, first in Africa, then in Japan. Raymond, next son, was a lawyer in Boston, also a veteran of World War II, and lived in Newport until his death in 1977. Youngest son, Harry, was also a lawyer and raised a family in Brooklyn, New York. One of his sons is apparently still alive, born in 19. 19- 
would love to speak with him. I think every family story becomes this micro history, this great lens into huge historical events, micro to macro, like I'm always talking about. So if you think of just this family, Simon's family, and what his sons go on to do, their involvement in World War II, or how they become lawyers, which is such a huge leap from where the family must have started in terms of social status, income. So every single family on Titanic, you could, I could do an episode about, you could have a whole conversation about for hours and hours and what the implications are of where they fit in the history of their their city, their state, the world. And, and that's not even to mention their relationship to being on Titanic. So I just think it's it's always so powerful to think of things that way. All right, last passenger. Aaron Willer was born around 1875 in the Russian Empire, believed to be in the area of Ukraine. He arrived in Britain around 1900, and he married a Ukrainian woman named Bessie Suskin. They had four sons, and Bessie had a daughter from a previous relationship as well. The children were born in London, but... and. <laughs> This is actually where their story differs a bit from the others. They all immigrated in March of 1907 to Philadelphia, then to Chicago, and they had another child there. Aaron, who also is known as Abe, apparently went back to Paris to work as a tailor to earn enough money to set up his own shop in Chicago. So he was back in Europe. You don't tend to hear this chain of events. So he boarded as a third-class passenger as Cherbourg to head back to his family. And it is also believed he was chaperoning a 16-year-old on the trip as well, probably a family friend, likely a boy named Usher Polner, who was also on board Titanic. Aaron died in the sinking, and his body was also never found or identified. Bessie and the children were left quite destitute, but the Red Cross did intervene Bessie launched a suit against White Star Line. It's not clear if she received any funds, but she did receive funds from the Red Cross and other organizations. We know she stayed in Chicago because of census records, and she died in 1949. Three of her sons, of four sons, settled in California and raised families there. A couple of things that really struck me. <laughs> One, just before... Before I say anything else, obviously the most important thing being that these stories moved me, even with as little as we know about these people. Uh, these were people fleeing a life that wasn't um, wasn't good, and they were headed to the United States to with hope and and the plan of making a better life. And and I mean, in, in these cases, I mean, look at their children and grandchildren and what they achieved in some of these cases. So that's uh, moving and powerful on its own. So obviously that's the most important thing. But it also made me think one of the story of widows of Titanic. Um, there is a book, it comes highly recommended. I actually haven't read it yet, but I've heard a lot about it. I think the author's name is Julie Cook, Widows of the Titanic. It's on my to-read list, and I plan to read it soon. And I know she did some really great, important work on widows in Southampton, where, of course, a huge percentage of them were after the sinking, because so many of the crew were from Southampton. So a huge proportion of the widows and families left behind were in Southampton. So 
that's definitely a book I encourage everybody to seek out. That um, just some podcast magic. I just paused the recording and came back, but that is called The Titanic and the City of Widows It Left Behind, The Forgotten Victims of the Fatal Voyage. And yes, that is Julie Cook. So definitely will be reading uh, that. Might be a good book club book. Maybe try to get in touch with her. So that obviously really struck me. And then also, I got an email from a listener the other day asking me to do an episode on the Mackay Bennett and the recovery of bodies. And this is a very, I think, often ignored, not told part of the Titanic story, probably because it's obviously so morbid. The recover of, recovery of bodies from the wreck site, uh, ones that were... Um, a lot of class issues at play there. <laughs> Some of the uh, bodies that were found that were uh, well-known people, people like John Jacob Astor, uh, were brought back uh, to the United States for burial. Some that were either not in great condition or not identifiable were just given a burial at sea. There's a lot going on with class. There's a lot going on with PTSD and grief and trauma with that story. It's going to be <laughs> challenging in the sense that it will be dark, but there's a lot to to tell there. There's a lot of story to uncover there in terms of the ship, the Mackay Bennett, the undertakers that worked it, the bodies. I really was thinking about it in terms of the stories of these four passengers, uh, the three of them that did not make it and their bodies were never recovered or if they were, they weren't identified. It really got me thinking about this part of it and synchronicity to receive that email from one of you. So that is an episode that will be soon. I have, I'm feeling really passionate about doing that episode. So I think it'll allow me to explore some themes that need exploring. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Look for links in the show notes for organizations helping those in Ukraine, like I mentioned. I hope you and yours are healthy and safe. 